had a wonderful start to our worship service this morning. Amen. We are in Hebrews chapter 12, and last week we began a two-part sermon on excelling in the race of life. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are in the race. The question is not whether or not you are in the race. The question is, how are you going to finish? Are you excelling in the race? Now, there are two things I mentioned last week as review. I mentioned that last week your race is a personal race. The Bible says that God has set before you a course for your life. I can't run your race. You can't run my race. It is a personal race. God has set before you. Secondly, it's a permanent race. You are in this race until the day that God calls you home. It is a permanent race. Every Christian will finish their race. The question is, how will you finish your race? Will you finish well? And so if you've got your Bible open, and I know you do, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Let's read those together. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So in Hebrews chapter 12, last week we discovered there are principles that help us to excel in the race of faith. Now, if you want to know what those were from last week, you need to go back and look at our YouTube channel and you can watch that message and get those points. I will summarize them briefly, but you need to see the details from last week. But if you're going to excel in the race of life, you need to know your destination. I mean, you can't really get to uh, excel unless you know where you're going. You need to run the race that is set before you. And last week we mentioned that your destination is not your salvation. When you are in the race, your salvation is secure. But your destination is how you finish. Will you finish well? Secondly, if you want to excel in the race of life, you also need to know your direction and destination, but you need to have inspiration. And so the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Well, who are all those witnesses? Those are the Old Testament saints that were mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And we won't go through all of those. You can look at them later. But these Old Testament believers are reminding us that we are not alone in our race. They are reminding us that we have other people who have gone before us and they have set the example for us how to finish well. And so they're saying to you and me, what God did through us then, God can still do through you now. Amen. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I always I love to have an amen to be encouraged because when you say something is true, you want to know it, right? We need to know that we need a destination, we need inspiration, and we need preparation. We talked about that last week, and the Bible says that we're to lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us. You know, the Amplified Bible put it this way. Let us strip off 
and throw aside every encumbrance. In other words, unnecessary weight. That sin which so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. We are to strip off every weight that slows us down and every sin that trips us up. You know, a weight is not something that's sinful in and of itself. A weight is just something that's unnecessary that slows you down. It can be a very good thing, but it keeps you from doing the best thing. So a good thing can become a bad thing when it keeps you from the best thing. Some things may be good, but they're not always the best thing. And so whatever keeps you from excelling in the race that God has set before you is a weight that we need to put aside. And then in Hebrews 12, 1, it says that we're to strip off that sin that so easily ensnares us. We need to remove that sin that keeps tripping us up over and over. So if you're going to excel in the race that is set before you from last week, we need direction. We need inspiration. And we need preparation. And now I'm going to start with this week's sermon. We need determination. If you're going to excel, you need determination. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hybrid Hendricks was a well-known and very respected professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He made this statement, and I thought it was profound. He said, there are a hundred or so leaders in the Bible. Two-thirds of them did not finish well. Now, I haven't validated all that, but that was his assessment. You know, so many people give up when things get tough. And you know, in the Christian life, things can get difficult, can't they? Can't things get hard in the Christian life? Yes, things can be difficult. You know, we have, we have some things that hinder us. Like, for example, we have what we call an infernal foe. And that is the devil. And he's always trying to discourage you and trip you up. But then you have a, an external foe. And that's the world always trying to pressure you to compromise in your faith. And it could be things through your advertisements that you see on TV or on billboards. It could be things that you listen to on the radio, music or whatever. It could be news. All these things are trying to trip you up and make you compromise your faith. So we have an, an, an external foe. We have an infernal foe. But we also have an internal foe. And that's my own sin nature. And what does my sin nature do? It always makes me gravitate for the things that are wrong. I have this pull for those kinds of things. And so the infernal foe and the external foe work together to manipulate my internal foe, causing me struggle, which is already drawn to those things. And so the race of faith can be difficult. It can be tough. I told you last week that the word for race in the Greek is agnon. It's the word from which we get our English word agony. And sometimes the Christian life, the Christian race can be agony. It can be difficult. You know, I'm around people sometimes and it's just, I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. You, you know, there's a song about that. Some people just want to have fun, right? And listen, the Christian life is exciting. The Christian life is adventurous when you live it to the full. The Christian life is fun and enjoyable, but it can also be challenging. That's a reality. And the Apostle Paul, I think he understood that. I think Paul loved doing what he did for Christ. But he also faced some hardships. And, you know, he would be in prison for Christ because he preached the gospel. He was always being abused for the gospel's sake. You know how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. He described his journey like this. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39 stripes. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and the day I've been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil. In sleeplessness often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Do you think the Apostle Paul felt like he was having fun when he was being stoned? Do you think that he was thinking, hey, this is very, this is very pleasant when he was receiving 39 lashes. Do you think when he was being put in prison, he got real excited about it? No, because it was what? It was agony. It was part of the race. And when the writer of Hebrews gave that list of Hebrew, uh, heroes in Hebrews 11, all that list of Hebrews, if they could stand today and testify, they could all say there were times in our Christian walk, in our journey of faith, that we faced agony. There were times when we faced heartache. Yes, this life, Christian life is exciting, but it can also be difficult at times. And this cloud of witnesses testifies that it can be difficult. And I want you to think about the determination of the Apostle Paul in spite of all of his circumstances. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he said this. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was so determined in his race, he was willing to suffer whatever it took to be able to fulfill his mission, which was to do what? To declare the gospel. Paul was determined no matter what hardship came his way. You know, I was thinking about in Mark chapter 4, Jesus was telling the story of the four, par- I mean, four soils. You remember that parable? And he told about how the farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, today, our farmers don't sow seed the same way. Some farmers can sit on a tractor and even in air condition and sow seed. But that's not how the farmers did it back then. Lots of times they'd put a bag over their shoulder and they'd fill it with seed and they'd walk through their field and they would begin to throw it out. You ever seen anybody do that? Some of you may have done it that way. And that's how they would sow the seed. And sometimes as they were sowing, some of that seed would fall on the, on a, on the footpath and the birds would come and get it and it would take it away. Sometimes they would be throwing it and it, it would, that seed would fall on the thorns and it would grow up and it would get choked out. Sometimes it fell on a stony place, hard place. And it might pop up for just a short time and then wither away. And sometimes it would fall where he intended it to fall, which was in the the soil that was already tilled up and ready to receive it. But when Jesus started talking about followers who had no determination, this is how he described them. They're like those who are sown on stony ground. Who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so they endure for only a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. They lack determination. As soon as hardship comes, they drop out of the race. You cannot run the race that God sets before you without determination. You cannot run the race that God has set before you if you quit when the first hardship comes your way. Because it will at some point. You need determination. 
You know, some people start off the Christian life as if it's a sprint instead of a marathon. And they come out of the gate fast and they look like they're making progress. But then the next thing you know, they dropped out. And they dropped off and you can't find them. You know, it doesn't matter how fast you can run if you quit before the end. You cannot win a race if you quit before your end, no matter how far you are ahead. And so it takes determination to finish the race. The word endurance that's used in, in those verses, it means to, to bear up under a heavy load. Anybody ever felt that? Like you're bearing up under a heavy load? Jerry Falwell made this statement some years ago. He said, you can determine the greatness of a man by what it takes to discourage him. If you want to know just how close you are to Christ and how determined you really are in the Christian race, you can ask yourself questions like this. What would it take for me to quit serving Christ? What would it take for me to abandon his church? What would it take for some people, it just takes one wrong thing that someone says to them and they drop out. Sometimes uh, it's because the church voted to do something that they didn't agree with and so they drop out. Sometimes it's something else going on in your life where you've experienced some heartache. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you suffered in some way. Some sickness and then you give up. I was looking on the internet this past week. In 2020... There were 14 million Southern Baptists. 14 million. But only half of them go to church. Now they didn't say this, but I thought it. The FBI might, might, might not even be able to find half of them. Have you ever watched the Olympics and you think about how hard those athletes train and prepare to be able to compete in the Olympics? They put a lot of energy to get where they are and they're determined to win. But I think a lot of Christians are not determined. They are undetermined. And we need to be determined to run the race even when it gets hard. But let's, let's you and I be honest just for a moment. Don't we like quick results? I mean, typically we like quick results. I know I do. That's why we microwave our dinner. Because we want a quick result. That's why we'd rather take a diet pill than have to diet and work out. Because we want quick results. <laughs> I have a witness. At least one. <laughs> we like quick results. And you know, it really just takes determination when it really gets down to it, doesn't it? One well-known athlete put it this way. Pain is temporary. It may last for a minute. It may last for an hour. It may last for a day. It may last for a year, but eventually it will subside and something else will take its place. If I quit, it lasts forever. That surrender, even the smallest act of giving up stays with me. So when I feel like quitting, I ask myself, which would I rather live with? The pain or the reality that I quit? I wonder if we could say the same thing the Apostle Paul said when he thought about his race. In 1 Corinthians 9.26, he said this, Therefore I run, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body 
and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. He's talking about determination. So we need, if we're going to be effective in our race, we need determination. Secondly, we need concentration. We need to concentrate on our goal. So many people fall out of the race because they lose focus of the goal. They get their eyes off of our target. And we, or we focus on the wrong goal. You know, a few years ago, when I was doing youth ministry, we'd always take our youth up to Bryson City. And, and uh, on this particular trip, we were having these um, competitions. And it was part of our, our journey through that week. And so we went to this large lake. You know how, how big those mountain lakes can be. And we went to one of those large mountain lakes, and we were going to have a race. And we had four teams, and, and none of the teams had the exact same equipment. Some had rafts, some had canoes, and I forget all, inner tubes, whatever they had. So nobody had the exact same equipment. Some had better equipment than others. But they were to work together in unison to get to their goal. Well, there was this one team. They had, they had the best equipment. They had rafts, nice paddles. They got in their raft. They knew they were going to win, be victorious. They, they worked in sync together toward a common goal. And they begin to move toward their goal while everybody else was struggling through and falling out of their canoes and falling off their tubes. They were making progress. They finally got to their goal. And when they got to the target, they, they celebrated their victory because they'd made it to their goal. The only problem was they paddled to the wrong goal. And despite getting there first, they didn't win. You know, there are a lot of people who are very successful at pursuing the wrong goal. And that's what happened in that particular circumstance with our youth ministry. If you're going to excel in the race of life, you need to concentrate on the right goal. Hebrews 12, 2 says, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In any race, the most important thing is to stay concentrated on the goal, to stay fixated on the finish line. Some people are going to lose their race because they've taken their eyes off of Jesus and put it on something else. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you're going to falter in your race. Some of you are concentrating on your circumstances, and we all have them. You have them, I have them, we all do. So easy to put our mind on our circumstances. I was thinking about the disciples when they were on, on the Sea of Galilee one day, and that Jesus wasn't with them this particular day. They were in their little fishing boat, and by the way, the fishing boat, weren't, they weren't giant boats, they were small boats, and they were on the Sea of Galilee. Storm comes up, and very easily, when I've seen a replica of one of those boats, it looked like it could turn over very easily. And there are those 12 disciples in that boat, and this is getting turbulent. It was daunting. And then to top it off, something comes walking down across the lake and all of a sudden they begin to panic. Some ghost is after them and they think they're about to die anyway. And then they realize it's Jesus. Peter says, well, if you really are Jesus, tell me to get out and walk to you. And Jesus says, well, come on, Peter. Peter steps out and he starts walking. Everything's going great. And y'all know the story. Instead of focusing on Jesus, he began to focus on the waves and the wind and he began to lose sight of his goal. He began to focus on his circumstances and what happened? He sank. You know, we will sink in our Christian journey, in our race, if we take our eyes off of the goal. When you get your eyes off of your goal, off of Christ, onto your circumstances, you know what will happen? You start getting anxious. You start getting distressed. You start getting worried and depressed. You know, people look at what's going on in the Ukraine right now and they begin to get their eyes focused on that rather than who is the one who sustains this universe. And what happens? People get distressed. If you focus on your circumstances, you'll falter in your race. You know, some of you 
get your eyes fixed on the pastor and you get real disappointed. Because you find out he's got faults. And I told him Wednesday night, you don't even know half of them. There are a lot of faults. And if you get fixated on your pastor, you might get disappointed and discouraged. You might look at JB and find out even JB's not perfect. Then you look at your deacons and realize, you know what? My deacons disappoint because they're human like I am. We all are. If you're not careful, you'll start focusing on other people and lose sight. You won't be determined. Psalm 118.8 says this, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man because man will let you down. But when you put your eyes on Jesus, he never disappoints and he has no faults. So you need to get your eyes back on Jesus. You know, sometimes we just get so busy looking at other people, though. I mean, we'll look at other people and say, well, you know, if I had the talent that some of these people had, oh, I could do so much for Christ. If I just had their talent or if I had her wealth, I, I could do amazing things if I just had her wealth. If I had the opportunities that that person had, oh, I could do great things. You know what you're doing? You're trying to run somebody else's race. You need to stay in your own lane and run your own race. God has set before you a race that you must run. And yet you're, sometimes we try to run somebody else's race. Sometimes we focus on the devil and what he's up to. I mean, some people just look for the devil around every corner. Now, we ought to be aware of the devil and his devices, right? But I don't need to be enamored by the devil. I don't need to be worried about the devil. Because greater is he who is in me and who is in you than he is in the world. We have a greater influence, a greater power. You know, I heard the story of a little boy who was up late one night. He was reading a, a murder mystery novel. Some of you like to read novels. And I don't know about you, but it was kind of scary for him. I mean, he lived in a bit, one of those big old houses where the floors creaked. The stairs creaked. The doors creaked. And as he was reading that story, he began to read about this villain who was trying to, to uh, harm the, the heroine in this particular story. And he, he began to hear every creak. He began to hear the wind blow. He began to get anxious and fearful, and he thought, I can't take this any longer. So you know what he did? He turned to the back of that book to find out how it ended. <laughs> Isn't that how we do sometimes? We, want, we can't take the tension. So he, he flipped back to the back, and he found out that the, the heroine survived. She got married, and she lived happily ever after. And then he went back to where he left off, and he began to read again. But this time when he read about the villain, it didn't bother him anymore because he knew the outcome. He knew that in the end, she won. You know, isn't that us? We so focus on the, on the villain that we forget who wins in the end. You need to set your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Some of you are focusing on your past. You say, well, you know, I've done so many things wrong, so many things wrong. I've, I've failed in so many ways. I mean, God could never use me. I've been such a disappointment. And the apostle Paul was a murderer of Christians. Supported the murder of Christians. You know what he said in Philippians 3.13? And we ought to take this to heart. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. We need to quit focusing on our past which hinders us and harms us. And focus on, on the fact that we are empowered by Christ. Set our eyes on Christ. 
On May 6, 1954, there was a man by the name of Roger Bannister who became the very first man in history to break the four-minute mile. And that was a big feat. Just a few months later, a man by the name of John Landy eclipsed, eclipsed his record by 1.4 seconds. Just a few months later, on August 7th of 1954, those two men were going to meet together in a track meet. And both of them were determined to let the other one know that they were the best sprinter, runner. And so they eagerly anticipated the sound of the start gun when they got on the block. And when that gun sounded, they both took off in a run to prove who was the fastest mile. And as they began to move around that track, John Landy took the lead. And it, from all appearances, it looked like he was going to win. But then he got to thinking in his mind, I wonder where Roger's at. He began to look over his shoulder for Roger. And in just that moment, he lost stride and he lost the race. He said later, had I not looked back, I would have won. And so many times we're looking back when we need to make sure that we're focused on the goal. I heard the story of a man by the name of Tigranes the Great. You may have heard of him, the Armenian king. He went to battle with Rome, and anybody who went back to battle with Rome in those days was never successful. And he lost the battle, and then he got captured. He was captured, and his wife was captured, and his children were captured. And he was brought before the Roman general to receive a death sentence. And when he stood before this Roman general, though he was a king, he fell on his face before that Roman general. He said, I plead for mercy. Do to me whatever you want to do. Harm me, hurt me, but whatever you do, please let my wife and children go. They've not even had any part in what I've done. As the story goes, this Roman general was compassionate. He had mercy and he released them all. And later that husband, Tigranes, went to his wife. He said, did you notice when we were in that throne room, those beautiful tapestries on the wall? She said, I didn't notice it. He said, did you see all that gold and silver that was overlaying all the, the instruments and the ornaments in that building? She said, I didn't notice it. He said, well, did you see that ivory throne? She said, I didn't see it. He said, well, woman, where in the world were you, were you looking at? And she says, I was looking at the man who was willing to die for me. We need to set our gaze upon the one who is willing to die for us. We need determination. We need concentration. I want to give you one last thought. We need motivation. We need the motivation for excelling in the race. Look at verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You know, it's very easy to get discouraged in the race. Obstacles come. Criticism comes. Heartache comes. The Bible says we need to consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. Whenever people criticize you because you don't run in the same vein that they do, you're not enamored by the same things that they're enamored by. Remind yourself what Jesus did. He endured the criticism. First Peter chapter four, verse four, Peter said this. They will think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation and they will speak evil of you. 
See, some people don't understand why you don't want to live like that. And for the record, I've already had one side. I don't want that side anymore. I am so much more content in Christ that I don't long for that anymore. In fact, I'm trying to still get rid of that in my own heart. And then you think about how Jesus endured such hostility from, from even his own friends. They abandoned him in the deepest hour of need. Then I think about how the, Jesus endured the shame of being stripped naked and hung on a cross for all the world to see. Consider how Jesus was unfairly condemned. And you need to know this. Jesus understands how difficult the course is. He's already run it. Not only has he run it, he's given us an example to follow. And he runs with us in the race. So when you think about giving up and quitting, consider what Jesus was willing to endure on the cross for your sin. The innocent dying for the guilty. You know, sometimes people say, well, I believe there's more than one way to heaven. Anybody who would make that comment does not understand a Roman crucifixion. There's no way that Jesus would have been willing to go to a cross if there was another way. He is the way and the only way. And if you're going to be successful in the race, you need to make sure that you are finding the only way. And it is through Christ. But my question today is, well, why was Jesus willing to endure so much hostility? Why was he willing to endure so much pain and shame? The Bible says, for the joy set before him. What joy was that? To know that people like you and people like me would one day surrender their lives to Christ and they would be saved from an eternal damnation. That was a joy set before Christ. He saw you being changed by his grace. The joy set before him. The prize for Jesus was the salvation of lost souls. What is my motivation? What is your motivation for finishing the race? There's a reward waiting for you and me. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, the Apostle Paul said this. For me to live is what? Christ. To die is what? Gain. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, what does that mean? It means fruit from my labor. But even if I don't, I'll be in heaven. I can't choose what to to do. That's how Paul Paul felt about it. He was saying, no matter what happens, I win. Some of you remember when Coach Bull Lee had his surgery a few years ago, a number of years ago. Before he had that surgery, I stopped by his house. I wanted to have a visit with him. And we talked about a lot of things that we did together through the years, how I used to ride in that little orange Toyota pickup truck with him singing some hymns off key. In whatever language he spoke. (laughs) And then Coach Lee made this comment. He said, you know, I might not make it through this surgery. But if I don't, I win. But if I do, I win. No matter what. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Before the Apostle Paul died, he wrote a final letter to his young protege, Timothy. And this is what he wrote to Timothy, his kind of like final will and testament. He said, I fought the good fight and I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. But not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearance. There is a reward waiting. Can you imagine what it must have been like for the Apostle Paul to be sitting in that prison? 
waiting for his execution, sitting there day and night. I think he said, you know, if I had a coin right now, I'd flip it. Heads I win, tails I win. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I cannot lose. And then maybe while he's thinking that thought, Paul hears a jailer coming to unlock his jail cell. He says, now, Paul, it's time. We're getting ready to lop your head off, buddy. Paul says, well, I guess it's time. And they said, well, we're getting ready to take your life. He said, well, you can't take my life because my life is hidden in Christ. And as they're walking toward the execution block, Paul begins to sing. And that jailer says, are you singing? He said, well, yes, I am. He said, what are you singing? He said, I am singing that I will rise when he calls my name. Paul knew to live as Christ, to die as gain. And maybe as they begin to take him to that execution block, the executioner says, aren't you afraid to die? He says, no, I've done it many times. Because I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And then they put Paul on that execution block and that executioner swings his sword and in a moment, it's all over. But in the next moment, Paul is standing with Christ. Wonder what Jesus said to Paul when he saw him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.25, Everyone who competes for a prize is temperate in all things, but they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Have you ever thought about what Olympic, Olympic athletes go through to win a gold medal? Years of training, of dieting, of preparation for a gold medal. But back in their day, they didn't even get a gold medal. They, they got a, a, a wreath as a crown made out of olive leaves. Can you imagine why would somebody go through all of that just for a leaf wreath? What would you do that for? Because the victory is more than just a wreath. Because the victor in those Olympic games would get their name proclaimed. Their country's name would be proclaimed. They would have friends to admire them. People would give them costly gifts. People would write songs about them and name places after them. And so it was much more than just a leafy crown. Fierce Louis was a very humble water carrier, unknown to most people until he ran in the marathon in the Greek Olympics in 1896. He represented his nation of Greece, actually, in that marathon. It was a, kind of the inaugural Olympics, modern-day Olympics. He ran the marathon. And when he came into that arena, as they were coming to the close of that race, he was in the lead. And he came into that arena with the applause of everybody in the stands. A group of witnesses that were witnessing this event. And Louis won that race. This was a man who was unknown at that time, but now had become widely known. In fact, at the end of that race, the crown prince Constantine and Prince George stood at his side. Somebody who was just a commoner before was a friend of royalty afterward. You know, the reality is we're servants of Christ. But one day we're going to be royalty with Christ. What is your motivation to excel in the race? 
I don't know about you, but I would love for Jesus to look at me and say, well done. I don't know if he will. But I hope he will. Say, well done. Good and faithful servant. What will God say to you when you stand before Christ? Will he say, good and faithful servant, well done? Maybe this morning, as you think about this message, you think, you know what? I've just kind of gotten my eyes off the, the prize. I've gotten distracted. I've lost my concentration. I need to get refocused. So maybe it's our invitation. You need to say, God, help me to refocus, put my concentration back on the goal. Or maybe you said, you know, I just kind of lost my, you know, my determination. Maybe you need to come before God and say, I need you to help me to be more determined in my walk. Remind me of my motivation. Fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Maybe today you need to respond, or maybe today you realize I'm not even in the race, and today you need to surrender your life to Christ. He never disappoints. Would you pray with me this morning? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you've never surrendered to him, would you just pray a simple prayer? You just talk to Jesus. You say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And right now I place my faith in Christ. I believe you died. that You were buried. And you rose again on the third day. Would you bring new life in me? Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. You just pray that prayer to Jesus. It's not a magical prayer. It's just an expression of your faith. You can put it in your own words. Jesus hears it. Thief on the cross just simply said, remember me when you go into your kingdom. You just express it. Father, as we come to these moments, I just thank you for your word and the, and the encouragement, the hope, the strength that we get from your word. I pray that you'll use it to nurture us in Christ, to help us to be sustained in our race, Thank you for setting us the example to follow. Now help us, Lord, to set our eyes on you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. To every question.